Matthew 6, 25 through 34. 25 through 34. It's going to be on the screen in front of you. You can look at it in your pew Bible. It's number, it's, uh, it's on page 685 if you're looking in the pew Bibles. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Hear these words from the Lord. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to their life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. And yet, I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after those things, or all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you ever get the sense of just reading the Gospels that Jesus was generally a pretty happy guy? I know, like, I mean, we focus on the last parts, right, where he's, you know, man of sorrows, where he's suffering, where he's dying. But when you read all, when you read the beginning of all the Gospels, the most of it, Jesus is like going to parties left and right. He's, you know, he's having a good time with his followers. They're, they're, they're doing a lot of parties. It's kind of funny. And he was a pretty, it seems like he was a pretty happy guy who enjoyed life. And so when we read a passage like this, it says, do not worry. Do not worry about where you're going to get your next meal. Sometimes it doesn't fit in with the picture we have of Jesus being this man of suffering on the cross. When we look at his life, he's a pretty happy guy. And we see in this passage, in our series on the Sermon on the Mount, right, we, we're taking some time, we're taking a number of weeks to look through it. We got, a few, you know, we got a few more weeks left of it to see what Jesus is doing. And when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, the way, Mark, or the way Matthew, the author of the Gospel that we're reading, the Sermon on the Mount is from, we see what he's doing, right? We have Jesus who is living into his role as the lawgiver, the new Moses, as embodying the fulfillment of the people of Israel, right? Jesus, he gets baptized in the Jordan River. He comes out of the Jordan River. He comes through the water of baptism. He goes into the desert for 40 days, the wilderness, I mean, for 40 days. And then after he comes out of that, 
he stands on the ser- and he gives the Sermon on the Mount. He gives his law, the law of the kingdom of God. And he is living into that what God has called him to do, to be the lawgiver, to be the redeemer of Israel, right? Because we look back, we think back to the Old Testament, right? Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount to his people, his covenant people, much like God who brought his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of sin and evil, brought them through the Red Sea, through the waters, brought them into the desert where they wandered for 40 years, not 40 days. And during that time, as he brought his people into his presence, his covenant people, he shared with them the law, how they are called to live as people in his presence, God's covenant people. And so we see those connections of what Jesus is doing here on the Sermon on the Mount with what God does in the Old Testament. He calls his people more and more into his presence, and he gives them the law, the way they are called to, called to live. And so when we read the Sermon on the Mount, we see those connections to the law. We see how Jesus, what does he do? He, gives, he, he takes the law and he expands it, right? We get those fun passages that are so hard to live by that even if you hate your neighbor, you may as well have murdered them, right? It's the same thing. And we're like, oh, how are we supposed to fulfill any of this? But when we get to a passage like we do today, don't worry, don't be anxious. Seems a little more straightforward. It doesn't seem as complicated because it really isn't. And we get these passages, right, where Jesus says, God cares for you so much. Look at, look at the birds of the air, right? None of them are working a nine to five and they got plenty to eat. Trust me, Jesus says, you matter more than the birds, so God's going to feed you. Or he says, look at the flowers of the field. They're better clothed than Solomon, one of the richest people in history ever was. And God cares more about you than the flowers. So don't worry. Jesus, during this Sermon on the Mount, gives such hard things to follow. But here we get a lot of these really nice statements that look really good on a throw pillow. Right? And so we hear these things, and we can't help but be comforted, being reminded that we have been called out of sin and slavery and evil into God's presence. We are his covenant people. We are people that God cares about, cares about so much that he called us out of sin and evil to join him in the kingdom of God. And so it's a nice reminder that Jesus gives us that God cares so much about us, right? Jesus is saying, don't worry. You can't add any moments to your life if you're worrying. You can't add an hour just because you worried a little harder. So don't worry. Seek the kingdom of God first. Seek his righteousness. Besides, tomorrow can worry about itself. And then he adds, because today's got enough trouble of its own. And just like that, all of the anxiety and the worry rush back in. Oh, yeah, I still got stuff I got to worry about this afternoon or this evening. It almost feels like Jesus really like that when he was trying to cultivate this, ah, this relaxing, calm atmosphere, he just kind of let it all go when he adds that little bit at the end. 
And so when Jesus mentions that, when he mentions that there are worries and there are things to be concerned about today, if you're like me, and I imagine some of you are, if you're like me, you start thinking about all the exceptions, right? Well, Jesus, like, you say that God's going to make sure we have enough food, but what about all those people starving around the world, right? People in good Christian countries that are going hungry, where people still do die from hunger, or people still die from exposure because they don't have the proper clothing. What about all these people, Jesus? Maybe they could have worried a little bit more. We think about all the exceptions because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is still affected by sin, evil, and death. And so although we are called not to worry about these basic things, that does not mean we live in a world that is free from things to be worried about. We live in a world where we know, maybe all too well, that our next meal is not guaranteed, where Clothing in our closet is not something that we know is going to automatically be there. We still live in a sinful, fallen world. And I think that there are better places in the Bible to respond to some of those exceptions and those concerns rather than this passage. So we'll leave those there because I have a feeling, and you can, tell, and you can come after me and prove me wrong, but I have a feeling that most of us in this, in this room today we don't have to worry about our next meal. I imagine most of us, when we go home, unless we didn't, do a gro unless we didn't go grocery shopping yesterday, uh, uh, plenty of us have enough food in our fridge for, uh, for lunch today, or tomorrow, or even next week. And I imagine that plenty of us, if we go home, we'll find more than one shirt that we can wear tomorrow. We live in a very wealthy country. We live in a very wealthy country that although there are still plenty of problems with hunger in this country, which is a shame because there shouldn't be, we know that for the most part, we live in a culture where we have it pretty good. One of the wealthiest countries in the world. That Even the poorest, even those who do have the, what it's at, we have a relatively good social safety net that really insulates us from the worst effects of living in a fallen world. We don't have to worry about hunger, at least most of us in this room don't. But the problem is that we in our country, we have a different set of issues. Although we know we don't have to worry, we got plenty of food in our fridge, many of us still worry all the time. We live in a culture that encourages us to always be seeking something more, always be looking for the next thing. We live in this consumerist culture that tells us we need more. We have to make sure we go out and get it. Otherwise, someone else is going to take it from us. There's only so many resources, and you better make sure you got yours. That's what our culture tells us. You better make sure you get all the right stuff so people will think you're important. You better make sure that you're doing really hard, you know, trampling over whoever you got to at work in order to get to the next level so you'll have more power, more influence, and more resources. Achieve that high level of status so people will come to you and look to you. And this consumerism, this wanting of more and more and more, you know what it leaves us? It leaves us with an addiction to worrying, right? 
There's so many people in our culture, in our, you know, American Western culture that are addicted to worrying about stuff who don't need to. You don't, I'll prove, I'll prove that people are addicted to worrying. You remember people who are buying years worth of toilet paper, freaking out because they're not going to have enough, that God forbid that they might run out of toilet paper and have to ask a neighbor down the street. So they're constantly buying up toilet paper, a resource which most of the world doesn't use and you don't really need. And people are constantly trying to make sure that they have enough. Or that people are stockpiling gasoline so that they can make sure that their you know, gas-guzzling SUV will, make, will be able to run so that they're able to drive a car that most people around the world would never be able to afford. If we don't have a worry addiction, I don't know what that is. And we might try to play it off as, well, we're just being prepared, right? Our culture teaches us it's virtuous to be self-sufficient, to not have to rely on anyone. We don't want to have to burden anyone else. We might try to tell ourselves. And so rather, we try to justify our very self-centered mentality, our worry, our concern over things we don't have to worry about at all. Which leads us to try to twist Jesus' words. Trust me. I'm preaching to the choir here. I know, I'm the same way. We try to, uh, we try to twist Jesus' words. Like, well, Jesus really didn't mean that. I mean, he meant to be, not to worry, but, you know, like, you should still be concerned about where your food is going to be coming from. Well, he says, do not worry. It's pretty clear what he says here in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not worry. We try to justify our actions. We try to justify these things because it makes us feel better, so we think. And the worst is when we try to overly spiritualize our justifications. When we try to overly spiritualize the way we twist Jesus' words, right? We know there are people, there are people who think, well, if you are a good Christian, if you're following what Jesus says, well, then you'll have every need met. You will be a prosperous person, the prosperity gospel. That's, no, that's a problem. We don't believe that. Or on the other side, people will take Jesus' words and they'll say, well, you know, that's what Jesus is saying. Seek first the kingdom. It's not, we shouldn't concern ourselves if people have enough to eat, if they have clothing. What matters is the state of their soul. That's what matters more than anything. But that goes against what Jesus is saying in the passage. Jesus is saying, God cares about your basic needs. Whether you have a bunch or you don't have enough, God cares that you have basic needs. We know this. We know it because of what Jesus says. And because this is the God who brought his people into the desert and gave them bread from heaven, gave them quail to eat. Of course God cares about your basic needs. We can't overly spiritualize what Jesus says in this passage. Basic needs matter to God. They matter because God loves us. And Jesus reminds us that that is not always true. People do not always believe in a God who cares about their basic needs. 
he, refer, he points to pagans. We might, point to diff, we might not call people pagans anymore, um, but we, like, he, we might point to some other people in our culture. But he, Jesus points to the pagans, right? The people of the world, not the covenant people of God. And he points to them and says, they have to worry because they don't believe in a God who cares about their basic needs. You know, if you ever read Greek myths, Roman myths, you'll, you'll think to yourself, why would anyone worship these gods? They're a bunch of jerks. I might use a stronger word, but that's what it is. They're a, they're a bunch of jerks. They don't care about the people worshiping them. Pagan gods have worse problems, it feels like, than normal people. The pagan gods did not care. And so Jesus is speaking probably to a mostly Jewish audience. Maybe some, maybe some you know, Greeks and Romans were there as well. And he is telling them, that is not who you are. You are God's covenant people, God's chosen people. And so you're not called to live like the rest of the world does. The rest of the world who ha- worship gods that don't care about them, who say, you got to make sure you can grab as much as you get because God, you know, Zeus is not going to care when, when a famine strikes your land. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Instead, Be reminded as God's covenant people. God loves you and cares for your basic needs. And those can be hard words to hear, especially when we're suffering, especially when we're going through really difficult times. If our budget is tight that month, if we are struggling, if we're worried that we might lose our job, it can be hard to to think, why shouldn't I worry, God, when our friends and family are sick in the hospital? It's very hard. It is hard. I've thought this too. But I think it's important to remind ourselves, who's the one who's telling us this? Who's the one saying, do not worry? If it might be from someone else, I might be able to, you know, brush it off. But the person who's telling us this is the one who entered into this world, who gave up his power and glory and entered into the world as a baby, as a little baby, who grew up as an awkward teen, who probably understood what it meant to go hungry on certain days, because he was born into a poor family in a poor, oppressed part of the Roman Empire in Galilee. And Jesus, as he grew older, knew the loss and the sting of friends dying, a family abandoning him. Jesus knows what it means to suffer. He knows what it means, certainly, to feel hungry. I mean, he just got back from being hungry for 40 days in the desert, or in the wilderness. And so Jesus knows what it means. And Jesus knows what it means to suffer and to die for his covenant people. Because he loves them so much. Because he loves us so much. That is who... Is telling us, do not worry, do not be anxious. Reminding us that maybe, maybe we put a little bit more energy in trusting him than worrying about our next, where our next meal is going to come from. Because Jesus, he's ushering in, he's ushering in the kingdom of God. That's what he's doing. He is caught, when he is giving his Sermon on the Mount, he is ushering in the kingdom of God, reminding his covenant people what it means to live as citizens of the kingdom, people in God's presence, people who are set apart 
from the patterns in this world. You don't live like them, you're going to live like this. And that includes not worrying because God cares for you. Don't live like there's scarcity. Instead, live like there's abundance. You know, the Bible Project, a lot of us really like those videos. I think they, that's the word they use when they talk, when they have their video on the kingdom of God. It's a kingdom marked by abundance. Where we don't live like there's scarcity and we have to make sure we grab what's ours so we don't get, we don't have enough. But instead, we trust that there is enough. There is plenty. And we know that is true because God's love is overflowing. It is poured out. There is plenty to go around as God's people when we seek the kingdom of God, when we live into our role as citizens of the kingdom of God. We live in a community marked by abundance, in a kingdom marked by abundance, where we don't have to stockpile, but instead we can give away to those who are in need, where we don't have to always stockpile, but we can reach out for help when we need it. We don't have to worry about what the world thinks about us and our own social status, but instead we look to serving God as our primary role, seeking the kingdom and not our own prosperity. And that doesn't need to be radical. It doesn't need to be a radical thing. Most of us, we're still going to go to work every day. Most of us, we're still going to do our daily routines. But when we live in as people of the kingdom, we are marked as people who do not worry, who are not as anxious. It's, hard, it's a hard habit to break. It's a hard addiction to break, people. I understand. But we are people who we know and we trust that God loves us so much that he cares even for our most basic needs. And so we don't have to worry about our social status, about getting everything that we need, all the things that we want, everything that might make us powerful, but instead we can give ourselves away to our friends, to our families, to our neighbors, because that is what we are called to as citizens of the kingdom. Would you please join me in prayer? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Lord, we thank you for all that you've done for us, all the ways that you serve, or that you, um, all the ways that you're at work in our hearts and our communities. Lord, we continue to strive to seek you. We continue to strive to seek your kingdom in all the ways that you call us to. It's not easy always, Lord. It's not easy because it can be so addicting to worry. We trust, Lord, that you care about our needs more than we even care about them. And so lead us, Holy Spirit, lead us more and more to the ways to serve you as citizens of the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.